I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I, I need to make that very clear. I had no skills whatsoever. I just started uh, pointing cameras at things and then trying to to make sense of that. I mean, the first 30 videos I've made are just absolute piles of turds. <laughs> KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I'm your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And on this episode, we sit down and talk with YouTube content creator and Northern California based cyclist, Tyler Pierce, also known as the Vegan Cyclist. We are also joined again by Todd Poquette, director of the 906 Adventure Team, to get an update on this year's running of the ultra-endurance race, The Crusher, out of Marquette, Michigan. But before we get into that, Sheldon, we are now legit. We have a website. We have a website. We have uh, entered into the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> we are on the World Wide Web. On the interwebs, of course. Yes, we finally have a website. Uh, thanks to Austin and Tyler from KOM Cycling. They have hooked us up and helped us out and, create, and created, uh, I mean, a super good looking. I mean, it looks way more professional than we actually are. <laughs> We're just two guys that talk at computers and drink beer. And now it looks like we actually do something. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like. Thank you to the guys at KOM for uh, helping us out and um, putting together this website. And uh, it's it's kind of a, a central location for everyone that can go and uh, you can see our faces, can read a little bit about us. There's uh, a little bit of merch, some 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 items that you can pick up. Some we hoodies. now have swag. Yeah, we have some some swag. Uh, there's a couple items there now. A couple hoodies. Um, a coffee mug. I, I think there'll be more things rolling out as we're figuring this all out, but that's live. Specifically a pint glass. Yeah, I would love a pint glass, just for me. I just want it for me. Um, <laughs> Screw everyone else. I just want mine. <laughs> but then also, you can um, you can go there to listen to our episodes um, if you uh, if you want. They're, they're all available there and will be updated as we update our episodes. So really cool. Go check it out. It's uh, just go to komcycling.com and on their front page, you'll see the tab Dirty Chain Podcast. Click on that and you're in business. But uh, again, thank you to KOM. I j just real quick about KOM. Um, we have two more of the trainer blocks that we're giving away. We were given five trainer blocks and we're asking people to call in, share about their uh, quarantine, their their lockdown experience, cycling, whatever. Um, how are you surviving? How are you surviving? Things that you're doing to, to be motivated um, or things that are not motivating you, whatever the story <laughs> may be. But uh, call in, be a part of this podcast. Let's hear your voice. Um, and uh, you can uh, get one of these trainer blocks. Um, two more. 
uh, three of them are already taken, but uh, yeah, two more. Sheldon, how was your week um, in the mid-pack? You know, it was pretty good. Uh, other than commuting miles, I only got one uh, one gravel ride in, but it was uh, with you. We had a uh, we had a dirty chain meeting out on some gravel roads, and it was just a spectacular day. We went out before work. It was sunny. It was warm. I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better day to go out and grind out some gravel. I mean, the. I mean, finally, I think we kind of talk about the weather every single <laughs> podcast, but it seems like we've had a, a string of some really like warmer days, not just mm-hmm. nicer days, but. Uh, we have some good temperatures, and so yeah, we've gotten out a couple times. We're staying away from the group rides, but we're kind of staying riding distant apart from each other with the appropriate face situation and masks and everything. But uh, but yeah, it was good to be able to see you not just in in a computer in front of a computer or through Zoom, but uh, but actually get to ride with you and some of our. Uh, the old Thursday gravel route that uh, that we um, ride ride so often, but yeah, that's been that's been pretty great. How's the commuting going? Oh, the commute's great. You know, it's it's a little bit better than my old drive to Detroit every day. You know, three hours in the car. Well, uh, you're commuting to a a new job. Do you want to kind of talk yes. a little bit about what you're um, you're kind of starting a new career? I guess what what's what's I going kinda, on here? Just a slight change. Uh, <laughs> complete flip to my life uh i am now working at spin bicycle shop the the shop that both you and i race for and mm-hmm. a bunch of our other friends and it is uh it is quite interesting to be in your mid-30s and just starting from scratch now they're not letting you work on bikes i mean if i bring my bike in you're not going to touch it correct they're holding you know teammates bikes just for me to practice oh great (laughs) (laughs) wait wait what which which team are you going to work on our rival teams or just our team (laughs) but uh yeah that's exciting i mean uh I'm sure, I mean, we're joking about it, but I'm sure you're going to be learning a lot in terms of uh, just the ins and outs of, I mean, you already, you already do know a bit about maintaining your bike and, and some of those things, but just to have access to all those, uh, all the specific tools, it'll be kind of, kind of well, what's, what's all this derailleur nonsense? I don't have that crap on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, when we were out riding, uh, I was surprised. Both of the couple times that we rode, um, you brought a geared bike. I, I almost didn't recognize you at first, but uh, you had, yeah, you had full gears. You're riding your um, what what uh, Cannondale? Uh, the, uh, the, my cross bike, my yeah. uh, Cannondale Cadex. Cadex, yep, yeah, yep. Um, but you're not riding single speed. Is there a reason for that, or just I guess like your uh, your your Cadex was out of out of commission for a bit. Um, since, since the Colorado, yep. But uh, (laughs) episode five, where I destroy a bike in Colorado, (laughs) but you got it back up and running and now you're, you're riding it again. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, so as we've talked about in many other past podcasts, um, the, uh, a little update with some of the races, um, two huge races we saw this last week canceled. So Leadville 100, um, one of the biggest races on the uh, U.S. calendar, mountain bike race in Colorado, canceled. They didn't even worry about um, postponing it, but it's 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 canceled. It's canceled until uh, 2021. And the other race is Steamboat Gravel in Colorado, um, canceled as well. Here in Michigan, 
one of the big races coming up in July, the Crusher. Um, I think, I don't know about you, Sheldon, but I've been kind of waiting to hear what was going to happen as um, more and more races in June were getting either canceled or postponed. I was wondering what was going to happen with the Crusher. Yeah, there's only so far you can push that one around. I mean, um, Sancho and Coast to Coast and Barry Roubaix all got moved back to October, so that kind of filled filled that far. And I don't know about you, I don't think uh, 230 plus miles in November sounds very appealing in the UP. Anybody that knows the UP. I mean, they could have two feet of snow by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're not familiar with the Crusher uh, here in Michigan, it's one of the the longest uh, ultra endurance. Uh, it, 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 it is the longest. Uh, it, is, it is the longest. Um, uh, and it's it's held in the Upper Peninsula. And we talked uh, in detail about it um, on episode two. And Mitch DeYoung, um, who came in fourth place last year, um, joined us to talk about his experience in the Crusher. So check out episode two if you want to know more about the crusher but just this last week last couple days todd poquette the director of um well they call him the director of adventure for 906 adventure team who puts on the crusher um he put out uh, a statement a video in the last couple days saying that the crusher is happening it's not canceled it's not postponed but the details are a little different and um, I reached out to Todd to see if he could give us a little insight tell us a little bit more about uh, the specifics about how the crusher will be this year so why don't we see what Todd has to say about this year's crusher Todd welcome back to the podcast Thanks, man. Good to good to see you and hear you. So, um, the last couple days, you put out a few uh, amended details to the Crusher. I know, um, I know, Sheldon and I, and quite a few people have been anticipating what uh, would be happening with the Crusher. There's been so many races, of course, that have been postponed, canceled, spring races, and it's creeping into the summer. And now the Crusher, which was in July. Um, we were kind of waiting to hear what would happen with it. And so we thought it'd be great if you would just give us a few details and let us know what's going on. I would be happy to do that. So Crusher's not modified. <laughs> Sorry, it's not canceled. It is modified. Okay. We we are going to dub this year Crusher EX, meaning extra enhanced. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to give everybody an opportunity uh, from July 1st to October 1st okay. to complete to complete their crusher. Um, I should qualify that and, and just put this out so everybody knows we're still looking at guidelines and we plan to, to follow them. You know, we're everything we're doing right now is based on an assumption that by July 1st, stay at home has been lifted mm-hmm. and many groups of 10 people or less will be allowed to gather. So th- this whole plan hinges on both of those boxes being checked. And with what I'm hearing about the month of June coming up, I feel really good that July is, we're going to be good in July. If something changes, then we'll change. That's okay. the, that's the beauty. You know, the funny thing is uh, races are canceling. I, I've been saying for a few weeks, adventure is not canceled. Crusher's adventure, man. I mean, it was really never set up to be a race because for anybody who's been to um, any 
version of the Huron Mountain Crusher hammer or the Crusher as it is now. The the like we don't do age groups. We don't do we don't really pay any attention. We don't even do a podium. Um, it's very simple at this event. You either finished, which means you got a green dot up on the board, or you got a red dot, which means you quit. <laughs> so, and you know, like, and if it was Margie Gessick, then you'd leave with unfinished business, so to speak. Sure. So I know you want to keep this short, so I, I won't drag on, but uh, July 1st, October 1st, that's your window. Uh, we will only issue race assets, that being the GPX file, the passport that contains like Q sheet and other information critical for you. Okay. Um, we won't release that to anybody, but those who have signed up to do the crusher, we will not issue any of that information until July 1st uh, because we don't want people trying to sneak up here early, you know, or earlier than they should. Um, and if for some reason we were still on stay at home and somebody requested the information, we wouldn't give it to them. Okay. So we're going to do the best that we can to follow the guidelines and to, uh, you know, to make sure everybody's following the guidelines. I know that the, uh, a couple things have changed, not just the, the time frame or the window, but also <laughs> the route itself is going to change. Do you have mm. any details about that? It's, it's not a point yeah. to point now. It's a, it's a loop. Correct. So um, I'm going to say that the 100 mile, pretty much all of the events with the exception of the big one, the 225, will stay in the same general area as last year. And the start and the end point will be the same Okay. for all of the events, but the 225. Here's why we changed it this year for the 225. First of all, logistics. You know, telling people that they can complete this event between July 1st and October 1st, but not giving them a um, transportation assistance to get up to Copper Harbor. Yeah. You're setting them up to fail. Uh, also, Copper Harbor, super small town. It, literally almost no resources and infrastructure up there. We don't want to drag 200 plus people up there. Sure. Just I don't I, I wouldn't feel good about doing it. Um, you know, so actually part of this decision is also driven by the fact that let's say miraculously the state came out and said that we could gather six hundred people or five hundred people in July. Uh-huh. I'm not comfortable doing that. So that's another reason why we're opting to go at it this way, um, which is still consistent with the ethos of the event anyway. Not much really changes, honestly. Yeah, because once you leave Forestville, you're out in the freaking wilderness alone anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the 225 will be a loop, and what's cool about it is that it incorporates parts of the 2016, 2017, and 2018 uh, here on Mountain Crusher or Hammer routes. It's a hybrid um, of all the past routes that were that were finished by what I call OG crushers. So original grinding crushers they did it unsupported and that's how people are going to do it this year does this change um the uh is the original bike i was planning on still the bike i want to ride that's that's kind of my question were you going to do drop bar <sighs> well is that no, what you had no said? i think i was going to do a um, hardtail mountain, mountain bike? bike yeah okay yes it, it um that'll that'll be great no matter what the route is last year's or this year. Okay. But I, I will give you a little teaser. 
Um, you know, last year's route was completely untested. We had never done that route before. I mean, part of it was known to us. The other stuff was all new. Um, whether this is good or ba bad for crushers this year, we're being forced to rely on stuff we know, stuff within kind of the crusher uh, family of events. So it's burlier. This year is going to be burly, dude. Okay. Okay. That's what I wanted yeah. to know. I, yeah. Because I was wondering if maybe I could get away with my drop bar, but what you're saying is probably not. I probably should ride my mountain bike. Well, I'm going to go out on a drop bar bike and ride the course soon. I'm not going to say when, but it's very soon. That's what I've been preparing for. Yeah. I am, I'm taking the Bo Jackson out. I still think you could do it, and I'll give you an updated response after we get back. Okay. Um, but, yeah, this the one thing I want to say about the route and all the routes is – particularly the 225 that 225 is only going to go through one town you know last year people were rolling through towns several times yeah um it, it was by far the most supported route we've ever hosted we're really kind of stepping back to our roots this year and we're going you're going to be in no man's land 90 percent of the day no cell service um this is the wilderness experience you signed up for so if i go up the day of or the week before, what am I supposed to do? Do I let you know I'm tackling it and then I get, I know the GPS tracker and a couple, is there a couple other things that I get from you and then, or how does that all work? Um, you know, once July 1st hits, we'll start releasing the information to the people who requested it. Got it. And we're going to, there's going to be an email coming out this coming week that'll explain some of these steps, but uh, from the time we give you the information, then you can start kind of putting together your battle plan. And then when you would come up here, the only reason you'd have to see me is to get your beacon. Got it. And then, and then when I finish, I definitely give the beacon went, back. I give you the beacon back and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when, you know, this of course is all very fluid and uh, we're going to be learning as we go here. We haven't sure. done this before, Yeah. but obviously as people come up and, you know, I'm handing out beacons um, I'm going to be watching the beacon. I'm going to be watching your dot. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. I, I know that, uh, already I've been talking to a few people and they are <clears throat> excited that this is something that is happening, um, yeah. as amended as it is, um, and as creative as we need to be with it. Uh, there's still an excitement to get out there and, and do it. And, uh, I look forward to it. Um, and as you touched on it before, I can't really see another race more perfect for this style of, of, uh, of, well, for this style, I guess, a self-supported, um, yep. adventure that, um, I don't, I, I don't see this working for a dirty Kansas or a Barry Roubaix, but it will work for this. And it just kind of works out that way. So I look forward to it, Todd. Thank you for, um, uh, working hard to just make this still something that we can be motivated for and look forward to. Yeah, man. Let me know if you got any questions, you know, as you build up toward doing it yourself. I will certainly do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Trevor, uh, Beforehand, you completely skipped the fact that we have talked with Mark Krantz, who 
won the crusher took the first place podium <laughs> spot uh last year so i mean don't forget to hop on the mark krantz episode <laughs> and hear his in-depth uh coverage from the first place position how could i forget i um am so embarrassed sorry mark krantz um i wonder if mark is gonna... no you did that just because he took those koms from you you were like <laughs> ah, screw mark <laughs> yeah mark and i have a little uh battle going on and and <laughs> The only way that I I did take a KOM back, but the only way I'm keeping it is because he doesn't live in the area. So as soon as he's back, he's he's gonna snatch it again. But uh, um, sorry, Mark, for forgetting to um, forgetting about the fact that you were uh, I don't know. Sorry, Mark. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> chances are, if you've ever searched for cycling on YouTube, you've run across videos from the vegan cyclist. And a couple episodes ago, we were able to sit down with pro mountain biker Jeremiah Bishop on episode 24. And in that episode, he talked about filming his climb up a Hawaiian volcano in what was dubbed the impossible climb. With him, of course, was Tyler Pierce, also known as the vegan cyclist. And um, after we talked with Jeremiah, we thought it would be great if we reached out to Tyler and learn just a little bit more about him as a uh, cyclist, as an athlete, and a content producer. Tyler was kind enough to not only give us his time, but also a, uh, a great in-depth and very honest conversation. All right, Trevor, I think it's time to hear from Tyler himself. And as he would say, all right, let's go, bro. <laughs> get a ride in today yeah i uh, i went out on a mountain bike ride and uh big storms rolling in um and so then and then i went there's like a, i have this local kom on this single trail uh and so i was like you know i'm gonna go out i feel real good and i'm gonna go out on my mountain bike and, and go get this kom and and the whole time i'm just like dude i'm flying i i know i'm gonna get this kom and so then i'm thinking like how i'm gonna make a video of this like first mountain bike kom and and then uh, I get to the top. I look at the the computer. I'm like, dude, I got it by like 20 seconds. Fuck yes! And it's a big one. It's like 17 minutes. But when I get got home, the where the segment starts, it's oh, no. like starts from the parking lot. Oh and no! And then so I like come in a different way. <laughs> and I and so then there's like 40 seconds of me just noodling about doing nothing. So were you just like seconds off of this KOM, or were you pretty far off of it then? uh yeah it was like 30 seconds yeah but so if if it had started where it should start i would have got it by 10 seconds i would i would have had it when you um like today when you were doing the kom attempt were you do you always run with like a gopro on your bike like all the time is that like no just a, no no and so a lot of times what i'll do is i'll go out and i'll i'll go get it or i'll just do the ride and then i'll film it at a separate time oh. you know what i mean so like uh a b-roll type thing mm -hmm. um or it, depending on the size of the kom like if it's sub 10 minutes then i can do a drone shot of the you know unclipped of the whole thing uh but anything over like 12 minutes then yeah i can't it, it, unless i'm gonna have my wife follow me but um like this one i was just gonna get it and then i was gonna go back and and just do little segments sure. all the way through it and just get 
you know, B-roll and stitch it all together. Now with a mountain bike one like that, is that something you would prefer like a chest mount gimbal or would you use like uh, one of the, the newer GoPros that can stabilize on your handlebar? Uh, I mean, if I was doing a KOM attempt like, like this, I wasn't going to use a GoPro at all. I was just going to use like a DLSR and a, and a, and a, and a drone and just, it would just be nothing but six shots all stitched oh, okay. together. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, so far what I've been doing on the mountain bike, anytime I've done any mountain bike stuff is, um, in my mouth. So it, like, how I have like a, it's like a mouthpiece. And so then you put the GoPro in and you just clamp down. <laughs> and um Wait, it actually you... is really it, it, it works really well <laughs> now is that like an official gopro product or is that something you had to rig up on your own no yeah they have it's like a, a little mouthpiece that that goes in there that so wow i've never even seen that before yeah now you yeah, you're talking about drones we had jeremiah bishop on last week and he was talking about how you had two different drones for different styles of shots do you have only two drones or do you have like your own little fleet that you use for different stuff no, I, I just have two. Um, the Skydio one and the Skydio two. Now what do you so, what are what's the differentiation between those two? Like what do you use one for versus the other? Well, I just had two because um of battery. Oh. Right? And so that's it. Like so I had I brought two with me. Um they both basically do the same thing. The two is just better, but okay. um it's just you know, I wanted to make sure that if one flew off in into the volcano, you know what I mean? That I was going to have a backup. Um, and then I, when you go on the ride, like, like even though I have multiple batteries, you know, that it's, it's basically a, a 10 minute window by yeah. the time you get it up and shoot. And then there's no way to charge it. And so, you know, okay. But, so they, they just have batteries that you can kind of swap out of them. Yeah. Okay. But, so but, are we going to, are we podcasting now? Or we're, in, we we're in it, man. We're into it. I do have a question though, before we get too deep into like the weeds of, uh, of gear and all that, um, can we just like rewind a little bit and get, a, get to know how you uh, got started with all of this? I, you're known for cycling, of course, and then creating super high quality content. So did those things develop alongside each other or did one, were you um, into video editing and all that and then applied that to your cycling? How did that all how that all start? Yeah, so uh, you know, I've kind of talked about this a little bit on various podcasts or whatever the case, but I'll, I'll go into a little bit more in depth. That I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> and I, I need to make that very clear. Uh, so, so sometimes what you'll see is people have success, and then you peel back the curtain a little bit, and you find like, let's say Casey Neistat, and he's like been in that industry of filming and he you know had hbo specials and like that's what he does that was his profession and so when he turned to youtube he had all of this talent all these connections all this skill and it sort of he just made it look like it was kind of homemade but i mean that was you know what i mean like a like an engineer going to make bike parts or something they have that skill and so then they can apply it there i had no skills whatsoever. I just started uh, pointing cameras at things and then trying to to make sense of that. And so I didn't go to school for videography. It's it was never anything that was a part of my life. It just um, I, I w w had a real up and down career path, 
And at one point, uh, uh, I started a web development company. And the way that that business model worked was just like, you would have a project and then two months of trying to find a new one. So you would just have nothing to do. And my son was young. We, uh, he was like two, three, and uh, he was real into motos. And so I kind of just wanted to make like home videos. So I kind of started filming him. And then since I had nothing to do, I was just playing around on my computer, you know, watching YouTube, YouTube tutorials um, on how to edit videos. And I mean, the first 30 videos I've made are just absolute piles of turds, <laughs> right? I mean, like, that's just what it is. But, you know, there was, um, there was a study that I had read where they took two, like, uh, like MIT or whatever. And it was called like, the perfect pot study. And they gave one group and they said, you have to make, you have to make a pot every single day for 30 days. And then the other group, they said, you can only make one pot. Right. And so then one group had 30 days to think about it, research it, do all this like technical an analysis. And then at the end of 30 days, present what they thought was like the best pot. Right. And, and whatever that pot doesn't really matter, but it's like they presented a thing. Yeah. The other group just hammered away and every day made it and then made revisions to that, right? And so they didn't get a lot of time to really dive into what would make a good pot. They just learned by mistakes. And at the end, the, the, the group that did 30 pots, you know, their pot was way better. Uh, and it was like whatever stipulations on how it had to pour and angles. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But so that's just was the thing is I was just banging away these videos of my son ride motos and... Uh, then, um, you know, it was actually, I, I kind of felt at a certain point that maybe I'm, I'm doing too much with him at too young of an age. Like we had gone out riding motos and, uh, you know, he wanted to play on the playground and I, I like, I got kind of frustrated. I was like, dude, you know, we drove two hours, you know, it's costing me money. Like, what are you doing? You know, like you can play on a playground anywhere, man. And we left that track not happy like we were kind of fighting and i was like dude this is not what it is this is not what that's about i don't want to be that moto dad who's pissed at my son for not doing well and so then i sort of kind of backed off that i was like I, I think i'm putting too much pressure on him and um you know so i sort of focused more inward on on myself uh because i wanted you know i didn't have his permission to put him on social media yeah. right he's like three and so i just like <laughs> I was like, you know what, I'm going to, um, I'm going to do sort of my own thing. And at the time when I first went plant-based, uh, I thought that was going to be a much bigger focus of the channel. So hence naming myself the vegan cyclist, like this, the cyclist part of it was, I think when I started my channel, I was like a cat four, you know what I mean? Like I, I was barely into it. Um, and I, I wanted to document a little bit more of like the family aspect of, of being you know, plant-based. Uh, but very early on, I was so excited that I was vegan. I was like, dude, I'm so stoked. Like I'm wearing the badge being vegan. <laughs> and then I started going on these forums and just the, dude, the community, the hardcore vegan community, I, I was turned off right away. I, I, I had gone on a podcast, um, a vegan podcast, like two months into this channel. And, um, and I had said, so she'd asked me something and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more like performance aspect of it. And she was just like, that's not what it's about at all. Like, it's only about the 
animals. And if you think this is going to help you with your health, like this is, that's just so ignorant of you. Yikes. And I, was I like, think, what I the think hell? you're talking to one of my ex-girlfriends. Like that sounds exactly <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was just very strange. And so then, I mean, I kind of like, I still really believe in, in a plant-based lifestyle. I think it's great, but mm-hmm. I kind of turned a little bit more away from diving into the the political side of it or the activism side of it because that's just not who i am and uh you know just started making videos that i want to see so when i was young uh and and we were going to go ride motos on the weekend i'd pop in a vhs tape of like crusty demons of dirt or like terra firma and i just like remember being 10 watching this video of dudes jumping and just being so stoked to go ride and that motivation is just like, bro, I got to go ride. And no matter if I go out and go in circles in a field, you know, these guys, like this video just hyped me up. And so when I got into cycling, there wasn't anything like that. You would go on YouTube and, and you would find one, a ton of dudes with paywalls. Hey, you want to get better at cycling? Click up, swipe up, click here, pay me. And it's like, what the hell, dude? Can you just tell me like, a basics and basics you know so there was a bunch of guys with paywalls and i was like that's lame and then you know about racing it was just you could find some shitty video of like the tour in like a different language and he had no idea what was going on and so i just you know it's just again one of those things like i would make a video that i would want to watch or i'd answer a question that i would want answered and then the next video, I would try to make it better. And in the first year of making videos, I only got a hundred subscribers, you know, and, and I, I'd still like would spend t- 20 hours on a video, you know, like it'd be like a lot of time into a video and you would get like a, three views, like me, my <laughs> wife and my grandma, you know, and <laughs> at the end of a year, I think it was like more about a year and a half. I was kind of like, at that point, I think a lot of people get to where it's just, it's not, it's not worth it. Your time versus what you're getting out of it. It's, it becomes irresponsible. You know, I can't just sit here and make a video for 10 people to watch while I have a real job and a family to feed, you know? And so, um, but in the second year I got a thousand subscribers and you know, I don't know, I'd make a video once a month or whatever. It's just like very low, low pressure. Um, and then in the third year, I got 10,000 subscribers. And so then it kind of started to, to do better. But then, but then I started to feel comfortable with making content. And like, I don't want to say I'm like an artist or anything, but it started to transform into a very artistic feeling in versus just like banging away on a computer to make some hype, you know, video. It started to be like, I would start with a blank canvas and try to tell a story. And so then, you know, there was a lot of competition. And like, even right now there's dude, everyone is a YouTuber, right? There's everyone does a cycling breakdown. You know, I've gone to a race and after the race, there was five videos of the same fucking race. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so how many different angles, how, how, you know, so like, and that's cool. That's, I mean, everyone wants to watch race breakdowns, but I've tried to, turn more into telling a story that gives you a feeling uh that you can identify with no matter at what caliber racer i am or what i'm doing right so if i'm riding a volcano with jeremiah 
uh, and it's the most epic thing in the world. Like to tell a story that a guy in Kansas that he went out and did a 10 mile ride on some flat gravel roads can still sort of identify with and go, there's parts of that story that I can feel, you know? And so then that's kind of where it's really morphed into. And, and, you know, well, and that's the nice thing. You, you can't you can't teach somebody to be a good to- uh, storyteller. I mean, you're just naturally you have a skill of telling a good story and putting it into some in, into a visual format that's enjoyable to watch. And um, I have gone back into in your back catalog and watching it develop. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's and it's entertaining. <laughs> the, the thing though is that what's crazy is is you have to really stick to like. why it is why do you do what you do why do you create videos because it doesn't uh let's say the the last two so the volcano video and then the video i did with greg dowsett the bodybuilder Mm -hmm. literally they have the exact same views right they're like locked in some weird same trajectory (laughs) uh they both have like one hundred and fifty thousand views the one with greg that, that took me 20 minutes to create, right? I mean, it was the easiest video ever. It was just me racing on Zwift. Uh, I, I, I got some B-roll, me lifting some bananas, and I just played the whole race <laughs> and, and like talked over it. It was the easiest video I've ever done. 150,000 views. Then do the impossible route, right? The hardest, most complicated project I've ever done <laughs> That thing has taken me over a hundred hours just in the edit alone, right? And then that doesn't count the the cost and time to fly to Hawaii to, I mean, to just everything, man. It's just unbelievable the amount of time. Same views, so you know what I mean. Like that, you gotta not. I gotta not look at those views as a metric of success because, you know, I'm wildly more proud of the impossible route than I am of, of anything else I've ever created. And I, I sort of feel like at a certain point, even if I never make another video again, I'm like really happy that I was able to see that whole thing through. And again, I'm not, that's not my job. I'm not a full-time YouTuber. I'm not a videographer. I don't, that's not, you know what I mean? It'd be one thing if like you had, a team and a budget and you know you had all these guys that were doing their job that's one thing but it wasn't the case you know what i mean like this is just me all the way through and so um like not having like a gatekeeper right or or like like i wanted to create something awesome and then i did and uh and it took a lot of time took a lot of work and again like i'm saying is but potentially i could have just turned on a camera of my face and said something controversial and got the same amount of views but yeah yeah so i mean it's again it's it's kind of uh it's frustrating sometimes to see what other people put out and the kind of views they get but um that's where i really try to look at it more as an artistic so where side of things so where are your metrics then in terms of a successful video i think that can be i mean even like as getting into the whole podcast scene it's all about numbers right all about like how many people have listened the percentage of the 
episode that they've listened to, what where they're listening from, what define you know all that kind of stuff. It's all numbers and numbers and numbers. So where do you personally then look at something you created? I mean, you kind of already talked about it and say that was a yeah. Successful- I can't. You can't. I can't. I, yeah. If I when I look at my metrics and analytics, I want to flip my desk over and quit. <laughs> you know, it just it doesn't make any sense. I hate how YouTube is so. Uh, secretive about why something does one thing and why it does another, right? So it's like, it's just a crapshoot sometimes. Um, it, so right now, I, I don't understand, but with the whole COVID deal, everyone's home watching YouTube. My views for the last 28 days are up 70%. Holy cow. Like, ridiculous, right? My subscriber count uh, per like 28 days, like, up 120%. Revenue down 34%. So I'm like, what the shit is this, dude? So like, how can I be, how can I have quadrupled the amount of views I've done in a month and I've actually lost a third of my revenue? And so <laughs> I just, and it's they like, hey man. They don't give you any breakdown on that? Uh, I mean, you can, you can dive in and see like which, which video is making what. Um, but again, it's, and not that views are necessarily always tied to how you're getting paid. I mean, it's like uh, cost per click. So in December, that's why everyone tries to put out a bunch of videos in December because just around Christmas, ad rates are way higher. So you'll make way more on YouTube putting out videos in December than you will January. Um, and so potentially advertisers are pulling uh, from YouTube. And so then the cost, you know, per click it and, and the ad rates go down. Um, but again, like that's, that's why I'll never be a full-time YouTuber because it's too stressful. And then it, 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 it will change the way I make content. And I don't want to do that. Right. I don't want to be forced to make a video every day to feed my family. I don't want to be forced to make some piece of shit, uh, video, you know, just because I have to get something up to, to keep that algorithm, you know, churning. So my metrics of success, I can't look at the numbers. It doesn't matter the views, the likes, the, the whatever. It's for me personally, it's the comments, right? So when someone says, dude, I've had a real shitty day and I watched your video and it made me smile. That, that's, that is a self, like, that's so gratifying versus you know, maybe I put out a video that gets a hundred billion views, uh, but it's changed no one's life and no one gives a shit. And it's just a video that came and went and who cares? Um, Like this is something that when my son grows up and has his own son, like that I can sort of be really proud of what I did despite on how much money I made or the success uh, of, of the channel, right? Like, can you imagine being some shit ass vlogger that like has does clickbait all the time. And you're like, <laughs> or doing some fake, fake prank. And you're like, yeah, I made a hundred grand off of, of YouTube, but I sold my soul out. You know what I mean? I, and that's just, I don't want to do that. So we've talked a lot. I mean, this is how your uh, content creation kind of has developed uh, back at the beginning when you started this whole thing and you're, you thought it was going to be about uh, your plant-based lifestyle, and then it kind of went into – it's more so focused on your cycling lifestyle. Um, 
How has your relationship to the bike then kind of developed as you're developing this channel, this platform? Um, a lot of people find cycling as an escape, but now it's kind of turning into a job or a, you know, so how, how is that? How's that going? <laughs> Man, that is, that's such a good point, right? Um, before, you know, YouTube really picked off or took off, like cycling wasn't really that, it wasn't my entire life. There were so many other aspects to my life. And definitely around 2018, for sure in 2019, I would say I was a full-time cyclist. Even though I have a full-time job, I, I, I own a web development company and a data distribution service that ties into e-commerce, uh, you know, websites and, and that sort of thing. Like that is my day job. We have employees. Uh, it, I can't let that go. But in 2019, I was a full-time cyclist. I mean, I was traveling all the time uh, for events. I was training all the time. And it was like, dude, this is a job. You know, uh, and I remember we were somewhere with my wife's parents and uh, my wife had said something like, so when's your ride today? And then her mom was like, why do you have to ride? We're on vacation. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm mean, like, I got to keep riding. Like, it's, <laughs> I can't just not ride because this is, this is kind of tied to what I'm doing. And, uh, and so then that's where ride all the bikes sort of came out of right is I can't just ride road all the time. I'm going to burn out. I'm going to hate it. Uh, I'm going to really, then, then how can you be a cycling YouTuber and hate cycling, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I, I, I just had to do, I had to really make sure that I was going to still love riding bikes and by separating it and not calling myself a road cyclist, even though I guess that's primarily what I am. Um, gravel bikes, mountain bikes, you know, track, uh, motos, BMX, I mean, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? So uh, trying to dabble in all the different stuff and, and keep it light, you know, and keep it, keep it fun. Um, and not like sort of pigeonhole yourself and to be like, oh, this is the type of rider I am. I'm only going to do this, uh, you know, and then I put together a team, you know, and so that kind of helped like offset m my personal goals. So if the team does well, then I, I feel, I feel success, right? Versus if I'm just by myself, even if you get second in a race of a hundred guys, like technically you're the first loser, you know? <laughs> uh, and so then it's very hard to find success in, in road cycling or, or bikes, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of bike it is very difficult to win anything. And so having a team where I can sort of uh, play a role, but then have guys that are stronger than me in that discipline do well. And then I can feel success in that, you know? And so just dabbling in, in all sorts of different things, road crits, you know, the fondos, uh, the adventures, I think um, even though I love racing, I mean, that's like, I just love to compete, you know, the adventures that I've been doing, boy, those, those are so much fun. And I find myself maybe that I'm more tailor suited to not an ultra endurance, but sort of in between like a six to 10 hour, you know, technical ride. Like I, I seem to, to do my best during that window. Right. So anything less than that, like it's too intense 
Uh, I don't have the kind of out and out power that I need. Anything longer than that is just insane. Like who wants to ride for 24 hours? Like, no. Uh, and so finding my, (laughs) (laughs) but everyone's different, right? So you got to sort of find what, what you enjoy. And I enjoy a multi-surface adventure, you know, uh, above anything else. But, but again, if you do too much of one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of burned you out hard. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, I, Trevor and I both started as road cyclists. I've more moved to gravel as I started to kind of get burned out. But you mentioned traveling more in 2018, 2019. As you've traveled the country, how do you compare the California cycling scene versus uh, some of the other states that you've gone to? Or do you even see a difference in different areas of California? Well, so, yeah, a lot of people ask that question, right? And and I would say the pinnacle is the same everywhere. You're always going to have a dude or a couple dudes that are just so strong, mm-hmm. right? And and it's so insane how it's just like that across the board. Like no matter where you go, no matter uh, who you're racing with, there's going to be a dude who's going to tear your legs off. Now, in California, I would say there's a higher concentration of those guys, but the, but the pinnacle is the same, you know what I mean? Like winning a race anywhere is going to be very difficult to do. Um, but again, in California, you might have 10 guys that can win a race. And in like New York, you might have three, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's again, the, the, the top of the, the cream, the cream of the crop is going to be solid, but now um, you, do, are you seeing gravel catch on in California the same way it's starting to catch on like here in Michigan, it is dominant like road. I, I we hate to say it. And part of it's because our road surface here, uh, you can ride gravel and it's going to be smoother than the paved, but gravel has just completely encompassed the Michigan gra- or, uh, racing scene. Are you seeing that encroachment in California or is road still kind of the dominant force? No, dude, uh, road is, uh, is dying. You know, it, it's really, it, it's not good. It's not in a healthy state. Uh, and the reason for that is that, okay, you go, you wake up, at three in the morning, you drive four hours, you get to the road race, uh, 17 guys show up and you get dropped in the first one mile. Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? Like you're, you hate that experience now in a gravel situation, because not everyone is racing. Now you've got 2000 people lined up and maybe you get blown out in the first mile you still have a wonderful day ahead of you. Even if you're riding by yourself, you're out for an adventure, but you're not going to be riding by yourself. You're going to find other guys uh, riding at your pace. So it's just the mentality behind it is completely different. And so me as a racer, I love gravel because you can still be super competitive and trying to win any gravel race is again, insane because you have like peter stetna or or whatever you're just like what the hell like there's no way i'm gonna win but just being up with those guys is so insane so then it it elevates the status of your placing 
right? My my fortieth at BWR is probably the most. I'm I. That's my proudest result, right? Because of the the hitters that are there, right? Ted King, Peter Stetna. I mean, it's just like, it's it's, it's insane. And so me getting fortieth. I'm just like, yes, dude. Like, I know that everyone here was giving it their best foot forward, and uh, and I did great. Now, if I got 40th in a road race, out of 42 guys, you know, like <laughs> that's not that's not good. That's not a fun day. You're so, driving home listening to Bonavere. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, now again, I don't want to say that uh, you should just never do a road race ever again or a crit or whatever. Like when I did the so the SoCal crit. Uh, you know, that was one of the most funnest races I've ever been a part of just the dynamics of it and how fast it was and how like scary it was. Uh, but we should just all do, we should just all ride all the bikes. It doesn't matter. And so if, if I think that it would be healthier for road to have guys not put so much emphasis on road. Uh, because what ends up happening is you'll have guys that are extremely fit. They've got a five watt per kilo FTP. Uh, they show up to this road race with a team of nine. Then you've got Fred who <laughs> shows up and he's got a three watt per kilo FTP, no team. And, you know, he just stands no chance. And that guy, he's probably not going to come back and race. Like it's, it's going to take a real special person to get their teeth kicked in every single time and still want to keep doing it. Um, and so that's again, why I think gravel is, is, is blowing up, but, but now you've got a, a gravel event every freaking weekend, Damn. uh, USAC trying to come in and sanction the whole thing. And it's like, I, I hope that it doesn't get ruined. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been a big conversation here and I, can only think of one gravel race that we have in the entire state that's USAC sanctioned and everyone else is they're definitely standing back with their arms out saying you know we don't want that we want to be able to sit afterwards and have a bunch of beers in a parking lot we we've had some interesting conversations about exactly what you were talking about is competition versus adventure and um just exactly what you're saying i don't think the two are uh, totally separate ideas and you can be competitive and still have an adventure. I'm not sure if I would have the best adventure doing a crit, but maybe the, the, the adventure of a, of a gravel race is an adventure and I can be competitive at the same time. Um, well, and that's where like the Fondos, the road Fondos that do uh, just timed segments, you know, that's like, a great mix. I love that. I love when I did the garden state Fondo, uh, they had it to where it was, you know, it's like six time segments up the climbs only. So I got to ride with my, my coach and friend who's, you know, 200 pounds and eight feet tall. And so obviously he's not going to be competitive on the climbs, but if we, if it was a start to finish thing, well, then now I'm forced to go with whatever move. Like, now I got to be drilling it. Yep. And like, I can't see any cool sights. Like, oh, there's a neat pizza stop. So, uh, no, I'm racing. <laughs> uh, but that's not how it was, right? It was you You knew the time segments were coming up. You go full gas. You go full race. And then you come back and you enjoy the ride to the next segment. And um, are you able... That's like, are you able to, when you're doing like the, the races or just rides itself, 
Are you able to focus specifically on that? Are you always thinking about what the story is going to be? Can you be in the moment enough just to enjoy the ride? Or are you no, always kind no. of... No, yeah, no. And so a lot of times I, I, I've i gone to races before. Actually, one of the best... It's my best finish in a road race ever. I got third at the Patterson Pass where first and second are actual pros. Um, I out sprinted everyone at the it like it was the best race it was a very hard race like it started with 60 guys you went over this climb i think three times like it was a solid climb and i just ended up being like the the two pros they broke away uh but we come into the finish there's only like eight guys left and i out sprint the other seven and i'm on the podium with two pros i didn't record any of it at all right i didn't story it i didn't have a gopro i didn't because before going there i was like you know what i want to just sort of focus on the race i want to just focus on on seeing what i can do without having to like set up a camera and and have all this like stress yeah i ended up freaking doing great but then it was like shit dude you know (laughs) Uh, i don't have anything to tell this story um you know and so it's it goes back and forth right on uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of my training rides, uh, I'll go out and I won't take any pictures or or GoPro anything and just enjoy the ride myself. But when it's when it's into something big, and I think that, like, I don't want this. I don't want this to sound douchey, but a lot of people sometimes don't understand how hard it is to do to to be competitive at an event while also going to make a sick ass video, right? Like. Uh, my BWR video, I mean, the whole time, I'm because I, I only have two GoPros, so there's no way it's going to last seven hours. So I have to start and stop that GoPro, and, and I've got a front and a rear, and then I had, I think, a spare battery with me. So what shots do I want to get? Well, I got to get a shot from the start. You know, I need to get a shot when we get to the single trail. Like, I'm, I'm, this is all in my head, you know? And then, like, I see a guy do something cool, and I'm, like, trying to turn on the GoPro <laughs> real quick. And, uh, you know, then I've got my rear. So then I know Phil Guyman's behind me. So I click that on. Like, I mean, there's just this cloud of how to get these shots, like, in my head. And I think I'm like, I got it down pretty good now. But, um, and so almost now it sort of takes me out of the suffering, which is, like, beneficial. So with the volcano ride with uh, Jeremiah, almost the whole time I'm thinking, what shots I'm going to get and telling Alex like, Hey man, there's, you know, I need you to get this shot of us coming up this road. And, you know, I'm just thinking about it the whole time where if I hadn't had that, uh, piece to it, I might've been thinking about how insane riding up a volcano is and then get really, you <laughs> in, know, in your into, head too much or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then maybe you go too hard or you do something like, like, even though it is difficult to do, sometimes it pays off because you're not uh you're not focusing on how bad you're suffering yeah um i i feel like and we apologize if you're repeating things that you've talked about in different platforms a lot but you you're just in a in a ride itself you're kind of having to balance these different things but then in your life as a uh as a content creator, as a cyclist, and then as a as a father and a husband, like and a full time job, um, 
how are you balancing all of that and how do you how do you how do you work all that out so um i i call it the unbalanced balanced life and it's basically i have three priorities you have your a priority you have your b priority and you have your c priority and the way i would look at it that is a priority you're making gains b priority you're not making gains, but you're not making losses. And then C priority, you know, you're you're regressing or you're you're losing a little bit. So if like to put it in context of like fitness, you know what I mean? If you go out and you do a three hour ride with uh, VO2 max intervals and you hit all your numbers, you're making gains. Uh, but you could also go out and do a two hour ride that you stop at a cafe and and you know you have some good times. You're not really making a lot of gains, but you're not losing anything. Or you could go for a 10-minute cruise on a beach cruiser. Like, yeah, you rode, but you're not, you didn't make any gains, right? So with those like boxes, A, B, and C, uh, I try to shift around what I'm doing to a lot that into one of those boxes. So it doesn't, it doesn't remain cycling as my A priority throughout the whole year because that doesn't make sense. You know, yeah, I'd be a super strong cyclist, but I'd be divorced and I'd have no YouTube channel <laughs> and I, I wouldn't have a job, right. right? So, I mean, you have to move that around and, and that could be as, as, as small as by the day or by the week or by the month, you know, but in any given moment, you would look at my life and it's chaos. But when you zoom out over the whole year, I would say that I've spent quality time uh, on every aspect of my life, quality time as, as a priority for YouTube, for family, for cycling, for work, uh, for just mental health, you know? Um, so like I might have a week, uh, I, I did this train like a pro challenge back in December where I, I did 20 hours a week um, on the bike for three weeks. And obviously during that three weeks, cycling is my A priority. And then, you know, recovery was my B priority. And so then what was C priority was, you know, my family, but you only have so much bandwidth. You only have so much time. And so what doesn't even get prioritized is cleaning, uh, is, is, is working, right? I mean, just like there's something that's going to have to give. So then after that crazy three weeks, now I'm going to flip it. Now I'm going to make my family a priority. I'm going to go spend some quality time with them, right? Because it's, it's quality. It's not just, oh, I'm sitting on the couch with my daughter. Well, that's, that's not doing anything. Like, yeah, you might feel like you're with your family, but not really. And they're not going to remember that. Like what they're going to remember is me taking them to the trampoline park, letting my wife, you know, get a day to herself and me going full gas with the kids and you know, spending a whole day with them. That's what makes a difference. That's what creates a data point on, on the, the chart. So that's how it is. You just move it around all the time. So there are weeks, you know, there might be a week where it's like full gas work and I'm not, I don't touch a YouTube video and I ride six hours and, you know, but I make a lot of gains in work, right? I, uh, we pick up new clients. We, we, we improve, uh, the platform, like whatever it is that we're doing, you know, we're just a busy time, but then I can't just keep doing that. Cause then I'm, I'm going to lose everything else. So you have to, you've got to keep it rotating. 
And that gets difficult to try to be like, okay, well, what, what in my life is, is regressing or, or having issues. And I got to focus on that. And so you're just always kind of keeping everything up, you know? Yeah. Now I kind of want to go back just a tiny bit. Um, it was one question that I kind of, we kind of skipped over back when we were talking about uh, the different matrixes on social media. Now, do you see a difference um, depending on the time of year on the interaction that people are giving for say road videos versus gravel videos versus mountain bike, mountain biking videos, or is it, are you seeing gravel videos that you make, um, making gains along with how kind of the scene is changing a little bit? Um, well, so I would say that I try to make a video that no, no matter when you see it, it's relevant. And so that's like, I would say the biggest thing I try to think about is how do I, how do I give life to this video? If I make a video that is just very specific to a very single moment, it might get a little spike in the beginning, but then, you know, everything after that, the views are just not good. So then the return on investment of my time into that video is, is not good. Right. <laughs> um, I put a lot of time into the video, but it's, it's after a month, no one cares about it anymore. So like dirty Kansas, you know, that's a video that every single year when Dirty Kanza comes, people are going to be seeing that video. And no matter if you know who I am or you don't know who I am, it's a good story. It's a good piece of entertainment. Um, and not that I can do that all the time. I get that was a lot of work and, and it's it takes a lot of time and stuff. But um, it's just uh, one of the greatest comments that I get. And I actually just got this comment like, you know, 20 minutes ago was a guy said, uh, uh, I, I don't know why I'm watching this. I don't ride bikes at all, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> that's, that's great. You know, and it's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like that's, that's, that's entertainment, right? I've, I've trans, I've transisted, uh, uh, I've gone above just a cycling video. And this, this person who doesn't know anything about this, um, is finding enjoyment out of it. And that's like, man, that makes me feel super, super good. So, um, as your YouTube career, I don't know what, what do you refer to it as? You know, it's not, yeah, it, I, it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's not, it's not a career because yeah. it's not what I, I, it's not where I put all my eggs in, into the basket, but obviously as it, as it continues to grow, it becomes more a part of my life. You know, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day of like, what, what would I do if I just stopped this? You know, uh, what is the next chapter? What is after the vegan cyclist? Cause obviously I can't be 70 years old and be like, what's up, bro. You know, like that doesn't, <laughs> no, please do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think you need to, <laughs> I just, I, how long is it going to last? You know, what is, what is that going to look like as things change? I mean, especially right now, man, what a crazy time to be alive and, and trying to think about you know, uh, if you're a business that is only walk-in traffic, foot traffic, yikes. You know what I mean? If you put all your eggs in the basket of, of a retail shop, you fucked. And so um, I'm happy that I have tried to diversify as many revenue streams or, or projects or pieces of me that isn't 
all tied to one industry or one aspect, right? So um, if I if YouTube went down tomorrow, I'd be super bummed. That is a big part of my life, but I still have a kick-ass family, you know, and I still have a web development business. And, you know, right now we're, we're about to launch one of the first virtual trade shows in the industry, right? Um, in, in that, in that space. Like, so there's other accomplishments elsewhere, you know, that I'm really proud of. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, but again, still be it's riding a, bikes. yeah. And, and yeah, it's, I still ride bikes for sure. Um, but the, uh, it is becoming such a core piece of my identity, you know, that I would say, so my name is Tyler. No one really knows that. Uh, and I would say that in a, like, especially in 2019, 90% of my interactions, you know, I was called vegan. Hey, vegan, <laughs> no vegan, you know? And so, um, which isn't bad or good or whatever. It's just, you know, that is, socially or or my human interaction with people is is heavily weighted on on this and so you know i take it really serious and i I try to just continue being myself like some someone sent me this uh this reddit link um where people were just just shitting on me and so i was like i didn't want to see it like i didn't want to read it but uh i I did it i i I was was, whatever i started reading it and you know it's like this one guy was like, I used to like him, but he got so, you know, uh, his ego is just through the roof and he's so narcissistic and, and just a piece of shit. And, and I was like, you know, I don't want to like come to my defense, yeah. you know, um, but there's just, you're not going to change people's perspective and, and how they look at it and how they see it. And I have such a small window to tell a story, you know, that it, um, I, so I post this video about my son climbing out the Zwift and I, I got this one comment where this guy was like, you know, he, I know he didn't want to do that and you pushed him to do it. And, Ugh. and he said, he used something in the video that I had said to my son. Um, and then he knew my whole life. Right. And I was like, bro, you, you've watched a 10 minute video and you think, you know, my entire relationship with my son, you know what I mean? Like, ah, you know, but that could just, I can only do so much. I can only show so much and, and I can only tell so much, but I try to just stay the same person that I, I've always been. And that's a, another thing. It's like sometimes hate, you get hate on something, but you can sort of offset it because it's a brand or it's a company or it's like, well, they're talking shit on, you know, like if you work at Coca-Cola and someone's like Coca-Cola sucks, well, it's like, okay, well that I'm not Coca-Cola. I'm yeah. sure you hate the company I work for, but I'm not Coca-Cola. I am my brand, right? right? I, I, I'm not any different. It's not like when I make a video, it's not like I have spectacles on and I'm like an engineer and, and talking all proper. And then I turn on the camera and I'm like, what's up, bro? You know, like, that's not, that's not it. That's how I talk normally all the time. And recently, I, a lot of people that I've been seeing, they're just like, you got to stop with the dude, the bro. Like, it's so annoying. You know, one guy did like a, a math equation of how many dude per minutes I'm, I'm saying. And it was funny, but like, the thing is that is I, when I'm talking to the camera, I'm trying to literally talk to you. Cause it feels weird when you just have a camera and there's no one around. Right. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to a camera, but it's super awkward. Yeah. 
if you start to be self-aware that there's no one around and you're talking to yourself, it gets, it gets yeah. weird. And so then you're not really yourself because that's weird. And so when I'm saying dude and bro, it's because I can't say your physical name. You know, I can't end the video be like, what's up, Trevor? You know what I mean? Like that does it. So one, two guys in the video <laughs> are like, oh yeah, dude. You know, like that's not. That's it. There's, say, there's not many Trevors out there. So there's. <laughs> right. But it, so I have to say to me, I have to say dude or bro as a connecting, mm -hmm. as connecting us. And, um, and that's just what comes out naturally. It's not something. And it's like, when I get excited, then my dudes per minute go through the roof. <laughs> right. Um, but if it's, you, if you it's, really want to rub some salt in that guy's wounds, you need to put a bro dude counter in the corner and one of your episodes, just let it ding the whole time. And you know, he would just be sitting there just <laughs> gritting his teeth, pissed off at you. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but I, I think that, it is about connection and you're obviously connecting to people because people uh, watch your content and watch your videos and do connect to the stories you're telling. This might be kind of a maybe too deep of a question, but um, like right now in the, the situation everyone's in, do you feel some sort of responsibility to be, I don't know, giving people something to take them outside of their shitty situations like videos that they can, they can just escape. Yeah. So, so when this all happened um, and started happening, I was, I was very confused at what I was going to do. How do I post something? How do I post something happy or uh, how do I create new content around this? Mm -hmm. And I sort of was, I, I like was off social media for like a week. I didn't post anything. Um, and I had a guy message me and he was like, Hey, you need to be posting shit. Like I I'm bored and I'm depressed. <laughs> Get making content. Yeah. And so then I was like, you know what? That's, that's, uh, that's right. Like, and he had said it in a more elegant way, but like basically that I have an obligation to, to post stuff, to help people. And I had never really thought about myself as any sort of like, like in that way, right? I'm just making dumb whatever YouTube videos. Uh, but in this moment where it's a pandemic and people are literally scared and terrified and don't know what to do. And it's like, is the world ending? Like, we don't know. We, we've never been in this before. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make um, this this video with me and, and my teammates. And, and we're going to go on this really cool ride and I'm going to do this Instagram story. And so I got real hyped up to like create some content. <laughs> and so then I go out, dude, and I, I put all this time into oh, doing no. this. And then I, I posted a picture on Instagram and then I posted the picture. Then I go and I start building the story. And so then I build the Instagram story. It takes me like an hour and a half to build this Instagram story. I'm so proud. I'm just like, bro, people are going to be like, yay. You know, like, <laughs> like, thank you, vegan. Like you, great story. And then I, I see the first comment. It's like, you piece of shit. Why are you riding outside? And I'm like, what? And then so then I go, next comment. And the next comment. And the next comment. And it's just like, I used to like you, but you're such a piece of shit. And it's like, dude, I have no idea what's going on right now. Right? And in my area, uh, especially like, I think when I when I posted this, it was like February or, or just like right in March. Like it was just when it was happening. Um, 
our county had like less than 10 cases. Um, it was, there was no mandate in place. There wasn't like you have your no lockdown. It was uh, Fresno County had put out a thing saying that it is healthy and they encourage you going out and riding your bicycle, just stay in groups of less than 10. Right. That's it. Right. And so everyone lives in is living this in a different way, right? If you're in New York, that's completely different sure. than if where you are, where I'm at, where, and, and so, I mean, I can only, I can only do what I'm experiencing. And so anyway, so then I just got shit on. Right. And so I was like, Oh man, that's not good. Uh, and then I think I went on a string of like three or four posts that no matter what I was getting shit on. I posted a, a picture from like, three months ago and still people were like how dare you post this you know you're encouraging people to go outside i'm like but it's an old post well you need to say that i'm like oh my god dude uh what you know and it's just it got it got real squirrely and so then i was like man i don't know what to do uh and and so then i kind of backed out of it and i just started working on you know these older pro projects that i'd had from before the apocalypse and um, really kind of just put my attention into the impossible route uh, and, you know, doing some Zwift stuff. Yeah. Look, we're all going to deal with this in our own way. As long as you're being responsible and you're not like going around and licking poles and coughing on people. Like do you, you gotta, you gotta have some kind of mental health aspect to this. You can't just lock yourself inside. I mean, how many people are going to come out of this with diagnosed depression because they weren't able to do anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm a hermit, bro. I've been social distancing for years. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I live in a town of 500 where in the winter there's less than a hundred people here. So, you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> I, I enjoy being away from people, but, but the fact that I can't interact with people is really weird. Like it's, <sighs> it's so strange to not have any hope for the future, right? And maybe hope's not the right word, but like I'll stay at home for weeks on end and do nothing and see no one and it not be an issue because, well, you know, next month I've got this going on yeah. or I'm going to go over here or I'm going to go do this group ride or whatever. You always know in the future you can you'll always, be able to. You can count on it. Yeah. And now you but can't, now we you, can't count on anything. There's nothing. Yeah. And so – um, you know, I, I went out for a ride right now and I saw a cyclist coming the other way, which no one ever rides up here. And I was just like, what, you know, like, like waving super like aggressively. Hi, hi. You know, it's just so strange. Um, but you know, uh, it's uh, turning to more of a positive, uh, theme than a positive subject just this whole project that you've put together in the last few years, what's the best place that it's taken you to the best experience you've had that you can um, say it's because of this project. I mean, riding up being the second person ever to complete the sure. impossible route. Yeah. I, I think that that's like unquestionably one of the greatest. I, I don't, because without this YouTube channel, that would have never happened. Right. That because there's so many aspects to it of one that I, I wouldn't even have known it was a thing. Uh, you know, it only came about because of Jeremiah and I only got to know Jeremiah because of the YouTube channel. 
And um, because I got to go to Rasputia and, and mistake him for a low level canyon rat, which I got <laughs> shit on for, right? Like, because I didn't even know when I posted him in the video, I still had no idea who he was, right? And I don't even remember why I remember his name. It was like, I just, we're there at Rasputia. We have no bikes. I see canyon. I'm like, hey, can we get a bike? And that was that. And then so when I posted, I'm like, I think the guy's name was Jeremiah or something. Everyone's like, how dare you? You know, like he's, he's our local hero. And and then so I quickly messaged him. I was like, bro, I didn't I didn't know. You know what I mean? But that's like such a testament to Jeremiah is how cool of a dude he is right. that even at the the world level caliber he he is, you don't know it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like when you talk with him, he doesn't have that vibe of, oh bro, you're not on my level. You know, and uh, no matter, like I went out when I was riding with him after his Fondo, the things he was doing on a bike were, I was like, this is insane, dude. This, this is unbelievable that you're able to do this. But still in that same moment, he's like giving me encouragement. You know, like I went for this KOM and he was like, oh yeah, dude, get it. Yeah. Oh man, you're crazy. And then I was like 10 minutes off his time, right? Like, <laughs> but he was so encouraging and, and it just, he doesn't like, that's so cool. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah. just like a testament to just anyone who, no matter how fast you are or slow you are or whatever, we all can relate to the same thing, you know, like getting dropped sucks. No matter if you're getting dropped by Chris Froome or if you're getting dropped by, you know, a woman that has been on the bike for a day, right? Like, you're just like, it doesn't matter in what level you're getting dropped, that getting dropped feels terrible, right? And so uh, I think we can all relate to that. And if we more went on the the universal re relatabilities, I guess, if, if that's like a word, then I think we'd all be able to connect a little better. I wanna I wanted to mention a moment in your uh impossible climb video that uh I, I just really like is at the end and it was you were just talking to the camera and and you brought in your wife and you talked about setting a goal and completing the goal. And there was a moment where it wasn't about wide aerial shots of anything or watching you climb up this. It was just like you being very honest and saying, here's a goal I had. This is what I wanted to do. And you and your, and you and your wife having this little conversation about goals. Are you a very goal oriented guy? Is that kind of what drives you to do a lot of these things? Or after you did that, was it like this realization that's like, holy shit, this was something that I tackled. This was a goal of mine and I tackled. I don't know. I just, I loved that moment. Yeah, I, I am a fly by the seat of pants type of guy. Um, and so I very rarely have long term goals. Uh, it's just and, and this this was definitely one of those. I mean, Jeremiah called me two weeks before we did this. You know what I mean? And so there wasn't much planning. This wasn't like something I had pinned on a board of like climb to the top of the world. Um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't, it was just whatever, but obviously looking back on it, you know, you're like, damn, that was sick. Uh, and I, I try to have goals, but you, my life changes so much so quickly and so often 
that I, I try to make them very loose. You know what I mean? Uh, very fluid. I think a fluid goal is so much better because, you know, a goal can motivate you, but a goal can crack you. You know, if you have a goal to like, whatever, hit 400 watts for 20 minutes and you go out and you've trained, you, you've invested all this time and energy and this has been something you've been working towards and you do 250 watts, yeah. you're just like, well, ha, you know, like I'm nowhere near my goal. And so then that can totally crack you. And so having obviously long-term goals are, are, are nice to have, uh, but having little micro goals along the way that are easier to obtain. Um, and so sort of what I do is like, if I could just do one thing a day to move the needle, I, I'll be in a good place, right? So no matter what that thing is, no matter how big or how important it is. I got to do something every day to make, uh, to, to, to push, to push my life in a forward direction. And so like an analogy that I have is say you just all of a sudden you're standing on earth and you want to get to the ocean. You have no idea where you are, right? You could, you could be anywhere in, so let's say America, and how do you get to the ocean? You have no map, no nothing. You're just going to start, if you just start walking in a direction and you just stay on that direction, you will at some point reach the ocean. Now, you may have started in Florida and started heading west. And so your journey to the ocean is going to be very long when it could have been very easy. But no matter what, you headed in a direction and in, in a, an amount of time you'll be at your destination. And maybe it's not the exact beach you wanted to go to. It will be a beach, right? And so when you get there, then you can reflect on, on how you got there and, and, and that sort of thing. But, but having this very specific goal of like, well, I want to get to this point. You, you might, you might inevitably steer your life in a very different direction than what it could have been in and it could have been better. My wife is a great example. I tried so hard to not have her in my life. I mean, I was just a total turd taco to her when we first were together. Um, I, I had no plans on marrying her. Uh, it wasn't, I didn't want marriage. I didn't want kids. And I just constantly would do things to push her out of my life. Um, because it's at that time, my goal, this is like when I was 19, my goal was to be this big entrepreneur. I wanted to be a billionaire. I wanted to drive Ferraris. I just wanted to chase, chase women all the time. That was my goal. And that's a shitty goal to have, right? Obviously. But in the moment, it's like, I'm, 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 I'm missing all of these amazing opportunities. If I had just had a broader goal of like happiness, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, versus being like, well, that is what ha money and, and possessions. That's what happiness is. I remember one time, uh, this was early on in a relationship and she kept wanting me to tell her I loved her. And I thought I was giving her a compliment and I was saying, well, I, I really like bacon cheeseburgers and I would rather be with you than have a bacon cheeseburger. Right. Like that was the analogy that I gave her. Right. Like, <laughs> I, 
and to me, bacon cheeseburgers at the time they were high up, and so you know, uh, pre pre vegan before vegan, yeah, vegan, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah this is pre pre vegan, right? And so, um, that's just like again. But now I, it's so insane to think about how many twists and turns my life have had that have ended me up with this life that is just unbelievable and, and something that I have tried so actively to not to not have. And so just being open to new things, you know, I mean, plant based, being vegan, I, I, I was so into bacon that I went to uh, a burger place and I got eight times bacon, not double bacon, what? not triple bacon, not quadruple bacon, bro. I said, I want eight sides of bacon <laughs> and ate it. That's what I ate. And, and like, even the waitress was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Uh, but so like, I'm not some hippie. I, or I wasn't, I am now, but I wasn't some hippie that was all super into saving the planet, saving the animals, uh, eating carrots. I mean, I was bacon and cheese and, and steak, and that was it. And obviously, at the, when, you, when you're only on that side of the fence, you're like, oh, this is great. But when you start to expose yourself to new things, you know what I mean? Like, you start to have a, a broader perspective of life in, in all aspects, the more experiences you can have, the more you can experience, which is like the hippiest thing you could ever say. But like, <laughs> you know, it is, it, it, it's, you need to, uh, you need to expose yourself to things and maybe you don't like them. This is what I always tell people. If you think being vegan is stupid and eating plants is, is unhealthy for you, try it. And then if you're right, you will have strengthened your standpoint. And you can stand proud and say, bacon cheeseburgers make me healthy and it's way better for my life and, and carrots can suck it, right? <laughs> That's, but you have to have at least tried the other side. And what mostly happens is when you start to eat a little bit healthier, not that you have to go full vegan, but when you eat a plant or two, it makes you feel a little better. So then you go, well, man, I actually I, I feel a little better so may, maybe i'm going to eat a little more plants and then it's just this snowball process to where you end up getting to be 90 percent plant-based which i think is ultimately you know the healthiest way to go like 80 to 90 percent plant-based is is very obtainable by anyone and if no matter what side of the fence you stand on be very hard to argue that that's not a very healthy, very uh, uh, environmentally friendly, and also uh, mentally for you because you could still eat, you know, meat every once in a while or whatever, or have one portion of meat a, a day. Like, it's practical, it's good for you, it's good for the environment. Like, you know, but then what ends up happening is you have these crazy vegans who are like, nope, it's 100% or nothing, <laughs> you know, and it's like, ah, well, that's not the message, right? The message should be just try to get a little healthier or get a little more um, exposure to something different. So we're not promoting eight times bacon cheeseburgers. All right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting here. <laughs> I mean, look, but again, by having a bacon with eight X or a cheeseburger with eight X bacon, it gives me the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Absolutely. If I, and this is what I've been really careful with my son is that he's not fully vegan. 
he, him and my wife, I guess would be called pescatarian because they eat fish occasionally. Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit of cheese, you know what I mean? Every once in a while, but it's like, for the most part, they're 98% vegan, Mm -hmm. but that other 2%, that's not the battle. And I want to make sure that my son doesn't become 16, 17, 18 and go, dude, my dad was such a hippie. I I hate plants. I resent broccoli. And now I'm going to go completely in the other direction, right? I need it to be his choice. I need it to be something that he uh wants to stick with for the rest of his life like i'd much rather him be 90 percent plant-based for life than 100 percent plant-based until he you know leaves my home and then eats eight times bacon <laughs> right and yeah absolutely well this is this is fantastic man really appreciate it uh sheldon can you think of any other uh honestly we pretty much ticked off everything uh, the only one that I had on here and it seems super shallow after everything that we've gotten into <laughs> was, uh, what came first, your YouTube or your Instagram. And, but now it's almost a moot question at this point. Yeah. So Instagram came second. Uh, I think I had, I think I started it two years after my, my YouTube channel. Oh, really? Okay. And, um, I was, I don't remember where I was or what I was doing, but I started the I started the Instagram account and for the first post it took me an hour to think about what I was going to post right like like the caption and I was like dude I don't want to do this I don't want to do this every time where I have to try to think of some like funny creative caption uh, uh and so then at that point I was like well you know what I'll do is I'll just have this like template and I'll say I'll say what's going on in the picture bruh Right. And so that was where this whole bruh thing came from is uh, because I had a video where I did, it was like a race day video. And my son said something about uh, my, my wife had got me a, a coffee cup and he goes, do you like your new teacup? And I go, it's not a teacup. I don't drink tea, bruh. And, and so then that was a video I had just done. And so then I grabbed that. And, I, and so then every Instagram post that I made was just like riding bikes, bruh, or <laughs> you know, whatever, eating carrots, bro. Like it was just easy. It was like, okay, I can just, this is an easy caption that I can always do. And so then, I don't know. I think I did that for like years, you know? And then, uh, and then it just started getting to the point where I'd make like some long post or some like deeper post. And at the end, you know, it'd be all like metaphysical and deep and it'd be like, bro, it's like, (laughs) ah, she kind of ruins it, you know? And so, um, I think just in the last like maybe eight months or like, I don't know what it is, but in the last year, at least I, I deviated away from ending every Instagram post with a bra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I dude, I love Instagram, man. Like, so uh, m- my YouTube videos, I get so mentally entangled with making it perfect, um, which sometimes it, it's it's why I don't put out a lot of content or don't put out stuff all the time. Cause I'll just sit there and I'll stare at it for so long. Um, or, you know, I'll have something like, there's so many videos I've just canned and never uploaded because I just wasn't happy with it. Right. I was just like, it's just not a, it's just a whatever video. And that's not what I want to do. I want to make sure that as soon as you see a vegan cyclist video posted, there's no hesitation that it's not going to be worth your time no matter what I'm talking about or what I'm doing, that the video is going to be worth your time. 
And so I've had a lot of people and like um, people that want to make, they're like, dude, you could be way more successful if you just followed these steps and did these things. And, you know, it's, it's all about putting out a video every day. And it's just, dude, I'm not going to be proud of that. You know, I don't want to just put out something that you blankly stare at. And then when it's over, it was just a waste of time, you know, like, cause I'm like, I make content consumer just as I, I am a creator. Like I watch YouTube and I hate when I'm like, it's a sick thumbnail. It's a sick title. I'm like, Oh yeah, dude, it's gonna be a sick video. I invest 12 minutes of my life. And then afterwards I'm just like, ugh, gum. <laughs> Well, yeah, no one's going to remember the watered-down content. Right. And so with Instagram, that gives me that opportunity to sort of, well, especially story. Instagram story is to not overproduce or, like, not have to worry about it so much. Um, and so I, I really enjoy having Instagram this, this other window, right? So um, I try not to sometimes people like if you follow someone on YouTube, what they'll end up doing is it's the same post on every platform. They'll post a YouTube video, a Twitter post, a Facebook post, and an Instagram post all telling you to, to watch the YouTube video. It's like, bro, I, I, I saw it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not here on Instagram for you to tell me to go to YouTube. You know, like I want to see behind the scenes. I want to see what you're doing when you're not making videos. Like I want to see other aspects to your life. And so that's what I really try to incorporate with the Instagram, um, which, uh, which I've had a lot of fun with. And you know what I mean? Like I answer, I try to answer every single message I get on Instagram, which is just so cool. Like the conversations that I've had with people, uh, over this, this time is, you know, like, I would have never been able to do that. I mean, you asked me what's like something that this has brought that, you know, would have never happened, which is that I could on any day talk to some guy in Ireland, you know what I mean? Just him be like, Oh, that's funny. And I'm like, yeah, then we're just chatting and that's crazy. You know what I mean? And, and so then I have these connections with these people. And even though we may, we probably will never meet up in, in real life. Um, it's just about having a connection with someone halfway around the world. Yeah. You know, which is, uh, which is nuts. So, um, I know that there aren't a lot of, uh, events or adventures to be had in the near future, but is there anything that, uh, you have already participated in that you, that's on the, um, being edited currently that we can look forward to or yeah so the the two big videos that i'm working on right now is uh season two episode one of the making of a team um last year i did four episodes of how we put together a cycling team Mm -hmm. um and so i've got episode one of season two working on that uh that that goes through the first i think three months um of our of our new race team that's cool uh, and then the train, like a pro challenge, which was, you know, crazy, you know, doing 20 hours a week, Ugh. the first week all indoors. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's another good one. Um, I just put up one of, of me and my boy ride motos at a supercross track. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I've got, uh, uh, I've got a couple other things, you know, sort of just floating around. Um, but it's, it's good because what, 
what happens sometimes, like I had already had all these plans, like sea otter, Belgian waffle, Rasputuzia, uh, Dirty Kanza, my cycling camp. You know, this was all uh, so much stuff. And so what's hard sometimes is to make new content before I've edited old content. And so then sometimes videos just get pushed to the side and it's like, well, this is eight months old. Like this isn't relevant anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I can't tell this story. Uh, it's too old. Um, and so this is giving me kind of a time to like catch up a little bit uh, on some of this old stuff that I, you know, haven't, haven't put out or, yeah. or didn't want to mess with. Good. You know, you know, like kind of on the flip side, this gives Sheldon and I a chance to, reach out to people like you and uh, people that may have a little more time on their hands than they usually do and, and get a conversation going, you know? So this is, I think there are a lot of positives that can be taken out of this, you know, time of doing. Well, I mean, imagine there is no other time where you can sort of take a couple months, the world take a couple months. Like I could take a couple months off anytime I want, but the world's not going to stop. Right. You know what I mean? My mortgage is still going to be due. Like every, you know, it's like, so uh, I have, like, this is such an opportune time to sort of reevaluate where your life is, where you want to go. And, you know, if you've been really busy, just sort of take a few steps back and, and recalibrate and, and regroup and, and uh, head into, you know, when, when everything opens back up. But I, I'm excited for all the new stuff, all, all like, the fall cycling season is going to be ripping, you know? I mean, you're going to have Fondo after Fondo after event after race. I mean, it's just going to be, are you, um, this is going to be so much. Were you signed up for BWR this year? Yeah. Are you going to do it in the, what's, what's it now in October or something like that? Or yeah, September? Yeah, or? So. Uh huh. Well, so one thing is that, uh, I was able to get on an athlete deal with Canyon this year which is like just insane right like i am on a similar contract as peter stetna um and so you know maybe we can end it on on this which is i'm not an athlete i'm i have never been good at sports um but in this in this new world of content creation that's not everything. That's not the whole, the whole bag of, of tricks. You can't just be good at something. Mm -hmm. And, and even with pro athletes, you can't just be awesome and not have any sort of social media or, or content side to you. Like that is such a, that is almost sometimes more valuable than what you can do in the sport physically. And so obviously I am nowhere near Peter Stetna's, you know, caliber, but with the hard work that I've put in elsewhere, like he's put in a ton of work on the bike. I put in a ton of work on YouTube and we're kind of on the same page, you know what sure. I mean? With, with that aspect. And so uh, with Canyon, you know, in that, in that contract is a few select events that I sort of have to be at and be the whole BWR. So BWR, the Asheville and, and then the other one in Colorado, I think um, Utah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and then there was, anyway, there was like eight events that mm -hmm. I'm sort of contracted to be at, which sounds weird to say, but like, that's, you know, they're going to help me get there and, and go make some videos. And Very so, cool. well, I, I'm um, planning to be in Asheville 
if, I mean, hopefully it's like end of August. So hopefully we'll be able to go to Asheville and, and, and so maybe I'll, maybe I'll see you in Asheville. Um, also, uh, you know, I don't, Michigan has a couple great races that, uh, might not be on your calendar this year, but I would, I would look out for some of these races in Michigan. And if you, if you head over to Michigan, know that you have a crew that you could hang with and crash with. And, um, Barry Roubaix is a huge, uh, gravel event. That's, that's has like three or four or 5,000 participants. Just, just incredible. Like how many years, Sheldon? Uh, this is going to be the, it was supposed to be, I think the 12th year. Yeah. It's been around for a bit. And then, um, then Iceman Cometh Challenge, which is in Traverse City is like a huge mountain bike race. That's been around for 30 years. Um, they would be incredible events for you to come and experience. But, uh, anyways, if you find yourself in Michigan, make sure you holler and, uh, we'll probably be at these for sure. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I want to go race bikes wherever i think it's super cool and and meeting people face to face is always just it's unbelievable right it's it's always um really really cool to uh to to meet people that have watched my videos and like put a fake because when i upload a video from the middle of the forest it doesn't feel any different than it did the first my first video i uploaded right like other than the number in the bottom screen like I don't upload a video and then everyone's around clapping. Uh, it's just it's just there on the internet, and I don't see anyone actually interacting with it. Yeah, and so it just feels very lonely. Uh, but when I go to an event and I have people come up and talk to me, it's like it's so crazy that you're a human and you watched a thing I made. <laughs> you know, like that's it. It's so uh, gratifying. And um, and again, you know, so Canyon has given me a, a, a small budget to get around to events. So I just got to try to find what events, you know, will fit into that schedule. And then, and then the other big thing is that like my family. So leaving my wife with two kids for a week, you know, is it's, it's hard to justify. And then to do that back, back to back to back. Right. Um, so I got to make sure that if I can at any moment that I, I can bring my wife or bring my family or, you know, again, it's, it goes back to that priority. Like a, I can't make cycling my A priority all year long. Like yeah. I have to make my family an A priority um, just as much or because they're the support, right? My wife, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her because she, she, she mans out down the house. I mean, she's got my daughter, my, my son, and, and she cooks dinner all the time. And like, she just rocks. So <laughs> I need to make sure she's continues to be stoked on me um, or else I won't be able to ride bikes. <laughs> I think that's a great, perfect. Let's end it there. That's awesome. Thank right, you. Man. Thank you, Tyler. Tyler, Thank nice you meeting you. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at some races this year uh, whenever this starts easing up a little bit. Absolutely. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, and of course, 
bad decisions. Thank you again to Todd Poquette for joining us to tell us a little bit more about the details of this year's Crusher. And of course, thank you to Tyler Pierce, the vegan cyclist, for joining us for this episode. And thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean. But get your chain dirty. And we'll see you in the mid-pack, bro.